Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Anything But Typical podcast. Oh, man. I'm going to learn a whole bunch of new stuff about my friend Emilio Guevara. I met him at New Canaan Society. He came up after I spoke at a deal and he goes, we need to meet. And so we did. And boy, was that the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And we've been able to do some fun things together already since that first happened. Probably, I think it was back in March. So here we are at the end of July and we're recording this. But so, Emilio, you and your daughter, Anyata, and your wife, Kim Yada, are out doing what you love to do to do is taking goofy pictures and different parts wherever you your travels take you and this time you're in front of the louvre you you don't think there are any other americans but somebody recognizes you and go hey that's emilio guevara and they start talking about you in french but you can you can understand everything that they're saying what would you want somebody to say about you i would want them to say you know what I remember that I met you and I heard you uh, 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 speaking at this event where you were, uh, you know, talking about how you started in life and the challenges that you were confronted with in the environment that you were in. But yet, in spite of all that, you came out of it and with God's help, with faith with determination, with grit, you know, uh, and persistence, you got through it and you made it. And I remember that. And I just want you to know that after I heard you and after I heard your story, it inspired me. And it made me realize that if you could do it, I could do it too. So I just, (laughs) that's what I would want them to say i i think people are already doing that <laughs> if anybody knows your story which they're going to after this hour <laughs> they're going to say that about you uh, thank so ben kick us off yeah so this exactly what this podcast is for so people can hear your story um so emilio's the uh founder and ceo at Anyata, and There's, I mean, there's a laundry list of of different things he's done. So I'll keep this as short as I can. But he's also the founder of the Global Founder Entrepreneurship Summit. He's the CEO and president of the Capitalists Conversations uh, company. So we're going to go down a few different paths here. But I want you to start by taking us back to uh, your story of of how you grew up and things like that, because that really sets the foundation for where we're going to go. Uh, you know, sure. I, I you know, I, I tell you, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so blessed. You know, uh, you know, I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York. You know, in uh, a, a, a neighborhood called Bedford Stuyvesant. Uh, my father, uh, Mariano, and my mother Rosa Guevara were, were uh, uh, immigrants in this country. They came from Honduras, Central America. And just to give you a little background on that, you know, uh, during the Korean War, the U.S. has this division called uh, Merchant Marines. And these gentlemen uh, and women, they are responsible for transporting supplies and that sort of thing. 
And most people don't know, but, you know, the Americas, all the Americas are allies to the U.S., of course. And so many of those men during that time uh, were part of the Merchant Marines. And my uncle was one of those men that was part of the Merchant Marines. After the Korean War, was when it was over, when it was declared over, the U.S. extended the opportunity for some of these uh, uh, men that had fought uh, uh, beside uh American military men and women uh, to become citizens of the United States. And my uncle, who probably about three or four years ago passed away at the age of 103, was one of those men. And um, and I, I I believe I was having a conversation one time with Gary, and I told him, I said, Gary, I said, I got to tell you, I said, not long ago, maybe about two years ago, I was in New York uh, visiting my family. My niece was having her first child and the entire family was in the room and it hit me at that moment the impact that one decision had made to our entire family you know and uh, he brought my father here one of his uh, five brothers and my father then took about six to seven years to save money and work hard and then he brought my mother and my three siblings my two older sisters and my brother and then the last four of us were born here in, in New York, uh, were born in New York uh, and, and raised in New York. And so, you know, when I when you think about that, that's, you know, pretty, uh, uh, pretty amazing. That one decision he made uh, uh, changed the trajectory of, of, of our lives. My brother became a carpenter. Uh, you know, two of those sisters that came, you know, have now have, have had their master's degrees from Ivy League schools and some of the best schools. Uh, the last four of us, I'm an entrepreneur, and my two other sisters that also also have become have masters, and one of them is a a uh, uh, registered nurse. So that's the legacy that they helped to create by making that decision. You know, for us to be here. Now it wasn't easy. We were born and raised in New York City in the 70s. And if I would implore anyone who's listening to this podcast to just take a second while I'm talking and Google the South Bronx, because I was born in Brooklyn, but raised in the South Bronx. Google images of the South Bronx in the 70s. And if you look at those pictures and you look on television and you look at the, the, the devastation in Ukraine or any war-torn country in the world, you'll see that those images mirror each other. And you ask yourself, how did you get through that? How could you be, you know, how could your family get through that? And I have to say that in spite of the challenges, the one thing was that my father and my mother, they, uh, uh, their faith kept us uh, steady, you know, our faith. And, and, and um, they kind of sheltered us from that, you know, because my mother and my father would always tell us, that just because you live in that environment doesn't mean that the environment has to live in you. And that stayed with me uh, uh, for the rest of my life, you know, and that's what got me to continue to pursue, you know, my dreams and my goals in spite of the fact that that's where, you know, we were born and raised. There's so much to unpack there. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of those those early lessons uh, that you were able to take forward in your life from growing up, not only in that type of environment, but also in that type of family, right? A family where it, it's immigrants moving to a new country, trying to figure things out. And then you then tack on 
south of Bronx in the 1970s. What were some of those lessons that you've been able to carry forward? One of those lessons was, you know, the devotion and the commitment that our parents had to make sure that we uh, stayed focused. You know, my father, although he was blind at the time, at, at the age of five years old, my father could not see anymore. But by the time I turned five, he couldn't see anymore. That caused some serious challenges to him you, because you have to understand, you know, he also uh, his his mother died at a young age. And so he had some, you know, some challenges he had to deal with himself as well. Uh, and his father left his home. And so th these were some challenging things. So my father really never had uh, a role model uh, on both on either side to really, you know, be a family man. Yet he had seven children, you know. And uh, so during that time, it was what you would call, you know, you could say I, there's two things I'm learning here. One is here is a man that is uh, uh, blind, yet he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning consistently and he gets walks toward to the train station we walk him to the train station but he gets on the train by himself and he goes all the way to brooklyn from the bronx which is probably you could say about a two-hour ride on the train and he gets off the train and then he goes to work at the national association for the blind so that he can make two something dollars an hour to try to still support his family this is what you're this is this is what this man is doing. So he's teaching us a work ethic and 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 teaching us, you know, what hard work is and what's not expecting anyone to to give you anything, but rather I don't care what your situation is, you still find a way to make it. But on the other hand, here's a man that's also battling some demons, you know, because my father was what you would call a functional alcoholic when he when he began to develop this this uh, uh, this uh, eyesight uh, situation, it caused some challenges, and that caused some challenges in the family dynamic of ours. But uh, but again, as you can see, there's that dichotomy, right? The two sides. Uh, but it was my mother that kept us. Uh, even focus and steer us in the, the right direction, along with what we saw him do with his work ethic, in order for us to be, to be able to continue to move forward. So those were those lessons of uh, um, both sides of both persistence and determination and uh, never giving up and no excuses. You, we, I could, I learned those lessons. But on the other hand, I had to learn the lesson of how do you manage challenge, right? Because I saw him manage challenge sometimes in not the best way. And so I had to take something from that to make sure that I didn't respond to, to managing challenge in that way. So life lessons that uh, were really uh, interesting, to say the least. So I'm, I'm curious. So, I, so that's something that I didn't know about your father going blind. Uh, both of us had fathers that had disabilities. You know, my dad had one leg that he lost to polio at 17. Wow. You, your father loses his eyesight at age when you're five. At, at what point about how old were you where you started connecting these dots of work ethic and dealing with perseverance and tenacity but not 
but learning also from mistakes of your father that you didn't want to replicate. So I, I think that probably I would say I, I was aware subconsciously, but I would say that consciously it might have happened in terms of not uh, um not uh, emulating that part of the drinking, to be honest with you, I think it might have happened when I was 17. I was at a party with some friends, with a friend of mine, that, and we went to this party, and uh, I was offered the drink. I took a sip from the drink, and that was the only sip I've ever taken of alcohol in my life. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, and, and, I, I, and, you know, I think I always said that I just never liked the taste of it. I think that was maybe a part of it, but I think that subconsciously I never wanted to be in a position where I would lose control of myself. And so from that perspective, I think that that was, um, that, that, uh, affected and, and, um, uh, made me look at you know that situation and and, and 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 learning from it from from just thinking about the images that I could think you could see about what I saw when he was under the influence made me not want to be in that same situation you know on the other hand at the age of 14 I was determined to go find my own job Right at the age of 14, I going on 15, I got my first job and I was uh, I walked I walked down this long street. Uh, if um, you look at you think of Charlotte and you think about the law, let's say South Boulevard. Imagine walking from the one end of South Boulevard to the other end of South Boulevard and knocking on every door. And I mean, every door, literally, and asking them to give you a job so that you could provide for yourself you know i did that and i remember i left school and i started at four o'clock and by eight o'clock that evening uh this gentleman gave me a job as a bus boy in the restaurant and it was the happiest day of my life because i could earn three dollars and 35 cents an hour and i could buy myself a pair of pants if i wanted to without having to ask anyone you know what i mean and so that that I think that was the day, you know, that um, so those are two scenarios. One paints one side and the other paints the other side, you know, and um, and and so those were those were the uh, the uh, uh, and, 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 you know, and it's funny how life is. These are such amazing questions that they make you think of things, you know, that you probably hadn't thought about them in that way. But that that was what happened. And from that day forth, uh, I remember when I found out it was $3.35 an hour, but I remember I went to the mall one day shortly after that and I was trying to get a job and, and I, I, realized, I learned that you could make 6% commission part-time as a salesman in a shoe store. I found that out looking at the newspaper, the classifieds, right? I said, wait a minute, whoa, 6% of anything I sell, you know? And so I went to the, I went to those skinny shoes at that time and I went to the mall and I said, hey, uh, talk to the best, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I love the opportunity to be a salesman on, you know, for you part time after school. I, I'm going to be committed. You know, I'm going to be hardworking and, you know, da, 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 da. he said, well, 
he said, you know, uh, um, and I did lie about my age. I said I was uh, a 16 when I was really 15, you know. <laughs> but, but, so, but anyway, I was just determined, right? And so what happened was I said to him, I said, but listen, I, you know, I, 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 listen, I'm going to be your hardest worker. You know, he said, well, I don't have any positions part time for you as a salesman. He said, but I have a stock boy position, which means when the shipments come in, you stock all the walls with the with the shoes in the back. And, you know, we could really could use, you know, someone in that position. OK, I, tell, as I said to him, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You know, you know, this is me at 15 years old. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, I'll come, I'll come to work an hour to an hour half earlier, and I will stock that wall and stock the shoes and everything. But you gotta let me as soon as I'm done, you gotta let me get on the floor for the rest of my time to sell my shoes and make myself that six percent. And he said, All right, you got a deal. He said, You don't have to pay me for an hour and a half when I come in earlier. I I'll do it. I just want you to let me as long as you let me get out on the floor. And he said, Okay, all right, well, you know. Come on in then. So I would leave school. And as soon as I got out of school, I would run down there, Gary and Ben, and I would stock those walls at the, with the shipment. I was praying that the shipment was there already. So I would have to wait on the shipment. I would stock those walls. I became so fast putting up shoes in those walls, you know. <laughs> and before you know it, I was done. And I would uh, be able to go out on the floor and sell shoes at, uh, at, and make myself 6%, you know, on anything I sold. So you can imagine, I mean, $200, $250, $300 a week. Uh, selling you know, part time was a lot of money in the 80s, you know, so, um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I could buy my clothes and, and, and get, buy everything I needed for myself, you know, so that was uh, that was, you know, pretty amazing at the age of 17 uh, in my last year of high school. I, I, you know, I couldn't stay with my parents because we had a one bedroom apartment where, where the, the four youngest ones would stay, but we were now teenagers and my sisters and what would happen was during the during the day we would put the folding cots inside my mom and dad's one bedroom and we would turn the living room and bring the 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 sofa and the love seat back into the middle at night we would put it towards the wall and we would bring out the the uh the folding cots and 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 for everybody to sleep so at that age I, you know, I was already getting older that I was the only boy cuz the three girls and me so I went and got my own place at 17 and uh um you know my own little one of those rooms that you rent out in 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 in, in those uh homes those houses and uh i i worked two part-time jobs and went to school for my my senior year you know to 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 you know but but i learned that and and i didn't feel bad about it i didn't feel sorry for myself or anything like that it was just what i had to do and i found a way to enjoy it and 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 have fun doing it because I saw what my father did to go to work. I saw what my mother did, you know, as a seamstress going to work part time and then taking care of us. And my father working full time as a, um, uh, you know, blind and all, you know, going to work at the National Association for the Blind. So I felt, listen, you know, uh, no problem. Let's 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 get it done. And that's what I would do. I love that you. You had the first taste of financial freedom, right? I get to be this busboy, and if I want to go buy a pair of jeans, I can just go do it myself. And absolutely, you and it, you instantly needed to do more of that. So now you're going to go get six percent and sell shoes, and then you're going to, and you just kept going. And I, it's it's so interesting how entrepreneurship and, and business leadership 
sometimes is because you grow up around it and other times it's innate, right? This is just, it was in your DNA to go out and do that as a 14 year old. And most people at 14 are, are not doing that by any means. Um, so I want to ask about that. Did you have any entrepreneurship, business, business leadership type exposure growing up? Or is it truly that that innate just in your DNA? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. And uh, uh, and, and I'll give you I'm, I, just to go back a little bit. There was one 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 specific incident that took place, you know, during that time too. in my 15, 16 year old self. I was in homeroom. In, in my in my homeroom class and 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 this was the, the impetus i think that that pushed me to go get this this minimum wage job because i i, I had only two pair of pants and two shirts and i would alternate them every other day you know uh and uh and so this one girl that i liked you know i would sit next to her you know because i liked her and then one day she says to me, she says, are you poor? She asked me, are you poor? And I said, why? Why do you ask that question? She said, because you wear the same thing all the time. And that day is the day that I went out to look for my first job. <laughs> Nothing like a girl motivating you. <laughs> 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 I just thought I would throw that little uh yeah. in the midst of all the uh, Yeah, no, it's it's not innate at all. You were just trying to look good for a girl. That's that's all it was. <laughs> no, but no, but really uh that but I you know I, I just you know realized that it was, you know, hey, I had to, you know, if I had to do for myself, I had to do for myself, you know. And so but but uh your question, I think the last question that you were asking me was um uh did I have any entrepreneurship experience or any exposure? Actually, uh for my family and my parents, were we exposed to that in at home, at the kitchen table? No. Now, when I went to visit my family in Honduras for the first time. What I realized was that my on my mother's side, that they were all entrepreneurs. My uncle, uh, to this day, his daughter has taken over, owns like this hotel bar that he's had there on the 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 uh, coast of a little uh, a village called Trujillo, where my mother's from. Uh, and tourists would come there from all over the world and stay there and drink there and be active because it's on the beach. Uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, owned the biggest store in that village during, you know, for years, from what I heard and I understood. My one of my uncles on my mother's side was a cattleman and and sold beef and uh uh to uh, you know to um uh the store the stores in 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 the uh country and in the, on the countryside and and then um one of my uncles was a musician had his own band and he traveled all over the the, the country and uh and then when he came here he you know would uh, do gigs with his band you know play the saxophone and so you know, on my mother's side, I think that that gene may have came from my mother's side because my grandfather and his children, uh, all of them were pretty much entrepreneurs. Yeah. 
They're... they 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 made their living from what they sold. That makes a lot of sense. There's also a lot to be said about the the mindset of an immigrant that's very similarly related to entrepreneurship. So like my grandfather was a German Jew and escaped the Holocaust, came over mm -hmm. here, joined mm -hmm. the military, and then after started his own business and it flourished. And he, he and his family had no business ownership experience before, but there's there's a lot of similarities to that that mindset of an entrepreneur and of an immigrant trying to to make it in a, a new country. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it was. It was. It's, it's, it, you know. So it was. It was just fascinating to watch them do what they were doing when I went there. You know, it was just amazing to see them do what they were doing. You know, so uh, I think that that might have played a, a significant role because not only not only them, but even my cousins. You know, I went selling ice cream door to door with my cousin uh, uh, in Honduras when I went there. I went I went selling door to door with him selling ice cream at 50, 50 cents a, 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 a an ice cream cone. You know, he would that's how he would he, every day he would make his own ice cream, homemade ice cream. And he would put it in one of those uh, homemade ice cream, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, but the vats. And he would yeah, go out canister. and he would sell it. Yeah, he would sell it uh, uh, from house to house, you know. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's how that uh that's how that's what I was exposed to from that. Stage. It's interesting because mentorship is kind of a theme in your life, Amelia. Yes. And yes. and your father and your mother mentored you by example. And also in some cases, hmm, I don't want to do that. But they 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 were definitely mentors. Then it's get it gets reinforced when you go back to Honduras and you see your your family like, hey, this is kind of fun. Let's go do that. Will you pay me six percent? Probably more, you know, <laughs> on those ice cream codes. But I think that's amazing. And and the part you know, I I know a, a bit of your story. Um, we've spent hours and hours talking about a number of things in your story, but I know I'm, I, I keep learning new stuff every time you talk. Um, you had had the choice. You, you came at an inflection point, I think, when you're about 17 or 18 years old yes. mm -hmm. um, and mentorship kind of took hold again. Talk yes. to us about where what happened there and where that led. Yes. So at the age of uh, uh, 16, 17, uh, it, I was talking to my, one of my oldest sisters, my, one of my two oldest sisters, her name, her name is Inez, Inez. And Inez and I were talking one day and I was at her apartment and I, you know, we were just talking randomly. And I said to her, I said, you know, Inez, you know, in this, we're in the South Bronx, sitting in the South Bronx in, the, in her apartment. And I'm saying to her, I said, you know, I say, you know, one of these days I'm going to be really successful like this. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to be really successful, you know. And she comes out the room with this book called Secret of the Ages, you know, by Robert Collier. And she says, you know what? I I I got this book at this sales meeting I went to one time. You should read it. It's really good. I think it'll help you because, you know, you know, you always talk about wanting to be successful. And so I got the book and I started to read the book, which was the first uh, personal development book that I read in my life at, you know, at the time, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, other than you could say the Bible, this was the uh, only other book I had read about, uh, uh, 
was reading about uh, personal development. And and I'm as I'm going to work, or I'm getting on the trains, and I'm reading this book. And in this book, you know, you know, he just starts to talk about you know, free enterprise. He starts talking about the mind and how you make your own decisions in life and, you know, that it's your responsibility to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And I'm like, wait a minute, you mean, you mean I can, you know, I can do this, you know? And so, and so basically I always wanted to do, but I never had a guidebook as to what you should follow to do it, you know, or how to do it. And I, this book meant a lot to me. And I started reading the book. And what happened was I went to see one of my cousins in Queens, New York one day. And I said to him, I said, listen, because what's the first thing you do, Gary or, or, or and Ben, when you find a book, good book, right? You want to tell somebody else about it. Tell somebody it, right? else. Because you're excited Give about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. you know? So I said, hey, listen, to my cousin, I said, Stan, listen, you have to read this book, right? And and my, my cousin, uh, uh, his name is Stan Anderson, says to me, hey, man. This is one of the the uh, the, the uh, uh, three books that my mentor and his mentor read. You know, I said, "What do you mean? You mean?" He said, "The company I work for." I said, "You got to be kidding me!" I said, "You you got to be kidding." Me. You say he said, "Let me show you something." He goes to the back of the book, and in the back of the book, there's a story about this African American male who became very successful during the Jim Crow era. His name is S. B. Fuller, and I said, he, "I said, you know this man." In the book, because you know, here you are reading the book, and you know, so here's somebody that you, you know, that, that knows somebody in the book. <laughs> you gotta be kidding. He said, Yeah, he said, That's my mentor's mentor. I said, You gotta be kidding me. And I said, I said, I wanna meet him. You know, I wanna meet this man that you are telling me uh, uh, is, 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 is one of the three books. And those three books, incidentally, were Secret of the Ages by Robert Collier, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And the Bible were the three books that they could he uh, uh, considered to be successful, make him successful, that he uh, considered to have made him successful. And I said, well, anybody or any organization that uses this book to 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 help their employees, I want to be a part of this company. And so I said to him, I want you to tell him that I want to meet him. Now listen, I'm only 17, and this is what I'm telling him. Now I, you know, this is what this is what's good about curiosity, and and when you don't know any better, right? You know, <laughs> you just you don't think about can I, would I, will they let me, will they not let me? You just you know, right? You just kind of go for it, you know. And uh, and he said, okay, well I'll let him know, you know. And uh, he probably was laughing at me behind, you know, closed doors. You know, this little seventeen, you know, wants to eighteen year old wants to uh, 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 meet this man who's already a multimillionaire and and uh, running a national company, you know. And uh, but lo and behold, he says to to me one day uh, that you know when he comes in town he'll talk to me. But it was like about a year. But this is the thing. In the meantime, while I was working full time. Every Saturday, I would go with him because he would distribute products to beauty salons from salon to salon. And so every Saturday, I would I would go get up early, go meet him at his house, go with him to distribute these products every Saturday, all day from morning till night. I would be with him. I, I, I wasn't getting paid. I was just I just wanted to do it with him because I wanted to learn the business that I was going to be into one day. So I might as well go ahead and learn it now. Not getting paid or anything, you know. I would help them carry the products. I would help them talk to the customers. Everything, every Saturday for a year before I even met the CEO of the company. And so at that time, 
um, and one day uh, he comes into town and he um, says that he'll see me. And he sat down with me for about an hour and a half. And after that, he said, you want to learn how to be successful? I will help you to be successful. And uh, that changed the trajectory of my life because I was going to go to college. But when I met him, he had all the knowledge I needed to do what I wanted to do. You know, uh, I always was one who was, you know, I just never, you know, allowed myself to fit in the box. I would just do whatever I felt, uh, you know, was right for me to do, you know. And so uh, although everybody was going in this direction, you know, uh, you know, like the scripture says, and what, you know, narrow is the gate and few will go therein, you know? And so I chose that narrow way and went and 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 didn't go to college and decided that I was going to make this mentorship my college. And so I, that's what I did. And um, uh, it, that was another, another milestone in my life, you know? I think that's really interesting. One, you're a lifetime learner. I mean, that became very apparent within probably the first 60 seconds of our conversation, you know, when when we first met. <laughs> so he's <Always> learning. <laughs> yeah, you're but the second thing is you took initiative to not only learn, but you also sacrificed. You saw something greater. So it wasn't like, oh, well, how much are you gonna pay me? It was, I'm investing in me and I'm going to learn at the feet of somebody that has achieved what I'm looking to achieve, right? Absolutely. Which I just think is so powerful because I don't think any of us um, have all the answers. We we need each other and we can learn so much from each other, regardless of whether they're older or younger than us. <clears throat> I learned tons of stuff from, from Ben and he's my son's age, you know, so like I learned a ton from this guy. I love hanging with people that are smart, that are curious. You, you talk about be being curious. That's really important. Why not? You know, like, and there's a level of uh, naivete or fearlessness that kind of goes with curiosity, which is, I think, essential. So keep going, man. This is this is really good. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I became national sales trainer with the company. You know, I started door to door. I had to go knock door to door. That was part of the training. You had to go door to door. And, you know, he would, he, he my mentor would share with us that, uh, listen, you know, going door to door will breed in you a hundred virtues that the eyes cannot see, you know? And, and, and it was true because, you know, if you had any fear in you, in you, in you, you know, that would not, you know, that would get rid of it or whatever, you know, you know, you, you wouldn't have, you can't succeed and be fearful. So, but the whole, but, but you have to look at it from the, the, the perspective of the physical thing is knocking on doors, but from a, uh, a mental standpoint, if you're in business or you're trying to succeed in succeed in business, you will always be knocking on doors. You know, so 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 you know, it's the, the yes, that was a physical. Uh, uh, um, uh, you know, when I did it at that time, yes, it was a physical experience, but the mental part of it—that wow, you'll always be knocking on doors. So 
getting that fear out of you and not to ever be afraid of what's behind any door or not to be afraid to not to find to get what you want is the 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 discipline it's the it's the uh the 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 learning that goes along with that and i was able to gain that knowledge for and and use it you know for the rest of my life and anything any goal that i've ever tried to achieve that had that has always stayed with me it always stayed with me that that concept of you know no fear right you know and so um you know i became regional sales manager you know uh, um in six states in the northeast and and i was young i was in my 20s doing all this you know um from 19 uh, to 29 before i started my first business you know and so i you know th that was the that was the experience that that I, that i was able to gain uh through those years is is working with people and uh um you know learning how to sell learn how to persuade and and just really building yourself up you know and and that i think that that's one of the things i think that i see that's a challenge not to get away probably from where you want me to go and if i do let me know if i am going too far but you know you know i You're doing uh great uh you know i think that you know you hear this these terms now quiet quitting you know all these terms that people are using um uh to um you know not you know we used to read books back then like napoleon hill laws of success and one of the thing was you know uh you know one of the 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 uh, the uh, chapters in that book is the habit of doing more than paid for and even though i had never read that book because I, I didn't even become aware of that book until uh, 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 much later on, you know, but I was already doing that. When I, at 15, I went to this manager and I said, hey, I'll work for an hour and a half and put the boxes on the, in, uh, you know, it's a stock void, they let me go on onto the floor to sell. And I think that this thing that people are not understanding, there are there's certain universal laws of success, you know, and there's a difference between the laws of success that are actual uh, you know, these laws can't be amended. You know, you can amend the law that says, okay, you know, we were going at, we, 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 we on the highway, you can go 55 miles an hour, but starting, uh, you know, October 1st, it'll be 65 miles an hour. You can amend those laws or community laws, but you can't amend universal laws. You can't amend God's laws. You know, if I take uh, this apple and I drop it, it's going towards the center of the earth. There's nothing that we can do that can change that law. It is what it is. It's just the way the universe operates, you know? And I think that somehow, somewhere, we're getting away from understanding that there are universal laws that you still have to abide by in order to be able to, you know, have... Um, uh, you know, to be in sync, you know, with, 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 with life, you know, and, and, um, you know, some people, I think, you know, getting away from that, you can't, you know, you have to, there's, there's a law of giving and there's a law of giving and there's a law of receiving, you know, and, um, you know, uh, even, you know, when much is given, much is required, there's everything, anyone that you can think about that talks about laws that successful will talk to you about the law of giving and, you can't get paid for everything that you do in life. And I think that too often people are expecting that they should get paid for everything because we're centered on this currency thing. 
And when you start operating in that way, you know, there's not going to be balance in your life. You know, you're not going to be satisfied, you know. I mean, uh, in spite of everything I had, you know, you think about what I, how I grew up and everything, I was still always thinking about how can I give, whether it was, you know, uh, you know, 15 at the shoe store, whether it was at 17 going to work with my, my cousin uh, all day, every Saturday and not getting paid for it. I've always had that perspective. I've always had that, pers that, that, that uh, uh, viewpoint about life. You know, because of, you know, understanding these laws as, you know, I'm not saying that I understand them 100 percent. I'm still learning, still growing, Gary, as we've talked. But I think that that's one thing that I would say, you know, to people is, you know, you know, you can't forget that there is a law of giving and a law of receiving. And 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 when you and I think that part of the thing is is that when we embrace those laws, you can't worry about the person to your left and to your or to your right or to the person in front of you or to the person behind you because what happens is you you know you know, well they're not doing it they're not giving me and I'm giving them I'm not receiving from them that's not you have to worry about you are you doing the right thing you know are you giving are you, you know that's that's what's important right it's it's that personal accountability from that perspective and I think that. If I were to tell you, you know, uh, you know, I have never seen it with with uh, where I've gone wrong in being and seeing life in that way, you know, uh, never. It's you know, you always will receive you you know as long as you continue to give you know and not worry about that and not only that but you're gonna learn you know it's about learning as you say Gary it's about wanting to learn you know and uh, and sometimes the best way well I'll say to be honest with you I don't know about sometimes I think that the best way to learn is to serve if you can serve someone else unselfishly you'll always get it back in some form of fashion. You know, you'll always get it back in some form or fashion. So I'm going to jump way forward and then we're going to bounce back. OK, mm -hmm. so trampoline. Right. Yeah. So. Present day. You know, you even bef before COVID, you were doing global speaker events like CEOs of notable notable notoriety and notable CEOs, right? Not always, but typically a little bit on their their more experienced part of their career, doing kind of a swan song, thank you tour, if you will, book tour, etc. COVID hits, changes a lot of that because you can't travel, you can't right. do a lot of that stuff. You reemerge, and you know when you and I met, you were talking about bringing Joe Foster, the founder of Reebok, to Charlotte, North Carolina, as the first of sixteen city cities in the U.S. as part of his tour. And he'd already done kind of Europe and Asia and Far East, and I mean, and also the Middle East. So you're doing these amazing things for with some amazing people but let's bounce back a little bit to okay so you go back into your first entrepreneurial endeavor yes talk to us a little bit about that what that was 
what you experienced, the difficulty of it, and what you learned. Yes. So I I, I started my first business. Uh, I uh, uh, was a consulting training and development firm. And how I how I started was that as a as a, as being in sales and being in the sales management, you know, you always end up getting training and people to come out from the outside to come in and train and train people in the inside. And so, you know, this guy comes in and I, you know, I find out that he's getting paid $2,000 a day and a hundred dollars per manual. You know, I said, wow. I said, you know, I've been thinking about what kind of business I could start myself. That sounds, that doesn't sound too bad. I can do what he's doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I I decide that, you know, I'm gonna start my own consulting and training and development firm. And so I, you know, I I I create this 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 uh I leave the company. I left and and uh you know took a chance on myself. You know, I figured, listen, I've been learning for 10 years. It's time for to go out and see if I can put this thing to work and see if I can make something out of it. And I I started my first uh business doing that, you know. Um but I'll tell you this, you know, I what I learned, Gary, was that I was I was I was a, a salesman, but I was not so much of a good business person. I didn't know all the parts that have to do with running a business as a whole. And so I, you know, you know, I was um uh I always, because I've always been one of those people that just jumps in, I'm ready to go. Let's let's do it, let's go. And so I did that. But I, I already had my first house at 23. I bought my first house. I had a 525 BMW at the time, which was new and, 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 and you know, only a couple of years old at the time when I left, uh, you know, had another, you know, another vehicle. It was a 93, you know, Mitsubishi Clit sports car. This is in 96, you know. And so I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of feeling myself a little bit, you know, I'm a young guy, you know, you know, and, 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 and already has these, these material things and you know and so i jump out there not not realizing you know what it really takes to really run a business and how you have to prepare and all of those things well it's not uh a, a, you know less than a year i pretty much lost all of it you know and i mean the house the the the, the you know i'll never forget that was with uh with a uh my cousin we had went out somewhere and we came back and drove back to the to the house. This is before I lost the house. And when I drive up to the to the to the uh, to the house, I noticed that the BMW is gone. I started asking myself, did I let somebody borrow it or something? <laughs> no, they, it was a couple of months behind. They picked it up, you know. And so I'm telling you, you know, I you know, you know, I think that again, you know, you know, I learned what I didn't know. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I knew what I knew, but I didn't know. I learned what I didn't know. And so I recovered. You know, I mean, I recovered, you know, not long after that. And I was able to, uh, 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 you know, to get back and get back on my feet. And a couple of years later, I was already, you know, doing really well, you know. But and I learned quick. I had to learn quick. But nevertheless, you know, uh, after you, you know, you've worked hard and you, uh, uh, you know, massive, you know, some of these things, you think that, you know, that you're really, that you've arrived, you know, and, 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 and running a business and maintaining a business and sustaining a business long-term, uh, requires constant growth and, 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 uh, and learning the things that you have to learn in order to be successful. One of any one of those things that you know, is not sufficient. 
you have to be able to know all of them. And then you have to know what you know and then make sure you go learn what you don't know. And that is what I didn't know at that time. And so, uh, you know, but, you know, I think that as an entrepreneur, I don't think, you know, I have a friend of mine who rides motorcycles, you know, he's been riding bikes for years, you know, and he told me, I said, listen, you know, uh, nobody considers you a, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 you're not a, a real uh, 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 rider until you've fallen off a bike. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that you know, I think that that you're never really, you're never, you're never really a true entrepreneur until you've been through something that knocks you down and makes you have the, you know, get the character, build the character you need to to build yourself back up. You know. Uh, and so, you know, I, you know, I didn't cry about it or anything like that. And I remember I did because I was so focused on what I was trying to do that it didn't even matter to me. You know what I mean? You know, I, I really believed I could get all that stuff back. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not like, oh, dang, I lost the BMW, right? But, you know, but, you know, uh, um, and I'll tell you, I had a friend of mine. I remember I had a friend of mine, you know, cause I was, I only owed $9,000 on the, on, on the car. It was a beautiful car, you know, and uh, you know, I'm young in my twenties, you know, that's a nice car, you know? And I, I went to a friend of mine and say, listen, hey, uh, 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 you know, listen, I, I really don't want them to get this car, man. I, I only need, it's only $9,000. I'll tell you what, if you give me the $9,000 to get the car out, if I can't pay you back within 90 days, I give you the title and you go get the car and make some money off of it. You know what I mean? And uh, 90 days came, I couldn't get that money together. And so, you know, I gave him the title and, uh, you know, he, he was able to do something with it as opposed to them getting it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, there's always, you know, like, you know, you know, I tell you, the one thing I will say is that when you come from where I've come from, it just gives you a different perspective on life, you know, where, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, you know, why not take a chance on yourself? You know, what is it that, what do you really have to lose, you know? Uh, you know, you know what, what you consider to be so important many times is not really that important. So that leads right into what you and I were talking about a little bit before we started recording, right? Of the uh, things like you were CEO and president of the Capitalism for World Freedom and, and things like that. So talk to us and then now being the CEO and president of Capitalist Conversations. Can you first explain to the listeners a little bit about what you're what you're trying to do there? And then I want us to be able to spend some time talking about this. Yeah. yeah. So for me, to be completely uh, honest with you, I, I really believe, you know, uh, that, you know, entrepreneurship, free enterprise is really, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the key, you know, to being able to um have the freedom to use the greatest gift that God gave us as human beings, you know, uh, out of all the, 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 the mammals and all of us in the mammals family, he gave us the gift of imagination. You know, we're the only ones that God gave that gift to, you know, the, 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 the fact that you can, you know, and I think that we don't even realize how powerful that is. Because we don't think in words, we think in images. If I say bike to you right now, you're not thinking about the word, the bike being spelled B-I-K-E. The first thing that comes to your mind in a quick second is the picture of a bike. 
right? Because we don't think in words, we think in images. And when we realize, and when we can realize how powerful that is, that God gave us the gift of imagination, which means, and it doesn't cost you anything. You know, you don't have to pay anybody anything to imagine anything that you want to imagine. I mean, that's powerful, right? You know, you can imagine anything you want to imagine, as big as you want to imagine, and you don't have to ask anybody permission to do it, and you don't have to apologize to anybody for it. You know, that's how you know, right, that that comes from God, right? That 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 the gift of imagination, and when you translate that to entrepreneurship and 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 uh, free enterprise and you know, and I know some people have some issues with capitalism and the way that they look at it and the way they look at it. But, you know, I think that, you know, hey, listen, give me a choice of any of the isms, I'll still choose capitalism. And the reason is, like I tell people, I'll make this quick analogy, you know. If you look up the definition of capitalism, you know, it tells you what it is, right? That's the definition, you know, and the definition is a healthy one, right? It's trade, right? It's, you know, uh, 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 you, know you, you form a... Uh, a product or a service, and then you in turn are able to sell it for a certain amount, and then you can make a profit, and then you have the freedom to be able to do whatever you want with that uh, with that uh, profit. You can either do something to be of service to someone else, you know. So it's it's about what it is that you want to do with it, but you have the freedom to do that. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and. Let's 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 just kind of go back for, for a second on that. When a doctor becomes a doctor and he takes the oath, there's an oath that he takes. And he says that doesn't matter where he is, he or she will use that ability to save anyone else's life. Right? That's the oath. Now, if I said you go Google, you know, all the bad doctors in the world, I think you're going to get a pretty long list, right, of doctors that have done some things that are not in favor or on the side of what they pledged to do with that oath. Does it change the oath? No. The oath still is what the oath is. But it's who is executing on that oath that matters. Does that person have the character? Do they have the integrity to operate and to be able to bring that oath to life? And I think it's the same thing when we think about free enterprise and capitalism. There are more good people that have done good things for this world than the free enterprise and capitalism than there are the bad people that you'll hear about, you know? Uh, you know, uh, we are what in this country, you know, just simply go to your kitchen and look at all the appliances that you're able to afford simply because uh, of, of free enterprise and capitalism, simply because, uh, you know, uh, the prices are the, the more, you know, the demand is the more, the, you know, the, 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 the supply and demand. And because of the fact that uh, uh, you know, that causes the prices to be able to make it where people are able to afford it, you know? So I, I just, I just feel as though that, you know, being able to have the freedom to imagine, I told people the other day, you know, how many countries can you be, you know, be born into where, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I, right while I'm talking to you or at three o'clock in the morning, I could come up with an idea, right? And I can imagine what I can do with this idea. And I can immediately go to uh, the IRS.gov and get my EIN number. And then I can go down the street to the Secretary of State and get my incorporate my company. And then I can run down to the bank and open up a bank account and I'm in business. Like, and you don't have to ask anybody permission to do it. Like where, where else, you know, can you really do something, you know, do that, you know? So that's why I'm really, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's a way of helping people uh, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to use the, that gift and to be able to, uh, you know, be able to make a change not only in their life, but also they can use that to help change society. Because every idea that you come in to come up with, you know, you can help to change people's lives and make a difference, you know, make a difference in the world. What what ripple effects have you seen from your efforts here and these types of conversations? You know, I, I, I. When you say ripple effect, you know, I think you 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 mean in terms of you know other people, reaching, yeah, reaching way. other people, them being able to go on and whatever start businesses or do things or you have support, anything like that. Yeah, I, I think that with everything that I do, even to this day, is to continue to be able to push that, you know, that belief, you know, um, uh, and and I think that by, you know, even with what we do now. You know, my mission is to, you know, is to, to, to be able to, to expose, you know, individuals that are doing just that so that people can have a different perspective, you know, because some of, there's some really great people out here doing some amazing things in business and not enough people are hearing from them or about them. You know, even with Gary, what he's done and the things he's done, I, I've just been so, I, when I met him, I was so, I, and, you know, Gary didn't tell the whole story, but I, I heard Gary speak and 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 I just said, wow, you know, he's he's so transparent. It has such an amazing story about how he went through what he went through uh, and, and, and the successes that he has, you know, but he takes off the mask and he lets you see him, you know, that in itself, when I can take my skill set of being able to create opportunities uh, for individuals like him or for yourself and others that have built things honestly that have built them with integrity that have used character and we can say hey these are the ones that you can look to to give you what the truth is about how you really build something right as opposed to going on social media and hearing those that are telling you that there's something wrong with that or are telling you how to do it in the wrong way right so i think that the ripple effect is not just my story, but my mission is to amplify the stories of others that are doing it and have done it globally. Because the more we can feel, so to speak, the airways with more of those that have done it and have done it the right way, you know, uh, um, I think that then we can begin to really have uh, that ripple effect or that impact that you know that i i would like to see us have that my friends is exactly exactly the purpose of the anything but typical podcast what you just described emilio is is our heartbeat as well we just want to 
showcase stories of great people who are doing it and trying to do it right. It doesn't mean perfectly, but transparently and with a good heart, because we want to shout that from the rooftops versus the negative press and the people that are the naysayers and, you know, casting stones, but never took the, the chance, never took the grit and personal sacrifice to do it. And, and that's exactly why we do what we do. And that's why you are on the Anything But Typical <laughs> podcast. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I really appreciate, you know, the opportunity for you all to put me on uh, your platform with all the, you know, you are two great gentlemen doing some amazing things. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, guys, really. Well, you have you have such a phenomenal story. So we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing. So when I uh, want to ask you at the end here to to share any final thoughts, but also share where people can find you. How can they follow you? How can they reach out to you? Anything like that? Uh, sure. You know, uh, as as Gary said, I'm uh, the CEO of Indiana Inc. now. And what we're doing is, um, you know, what we just talked about earlier. You know, our, our, our mission is to uh, build a, a global ecosystem where we are able to uh, expand the legacy of really successful business leaders and then use that as a means to be able to impact uh, uh, and influence, you know, younger generations to be able to use their uh, creative imagination, you know, and, ha and have a global vision about how to be able to do what they would like to do. And we use the, the legacy of those that have done it to inspire them. And that's what we're doing with Inyata Inc. And we do it through four pillars. One, we um, we helped uh, to, uh, you know, those business leaders that may not have uh, their story told yet, we help them to be able to uh, pen their stories and and then and only as a means to be able to then tour them. You know, we and our tours are not what you would call just basic tours where you know, from bookstore to bookstore, anything like that, that those have their place. But we actually do major events with these business leaders from city to city, as we're doing with Joe Foster and others. Uh, and um, and then, you know, we then put them, make them part of our exclusive legacy bureau, uh, where we then promote them, intention, we're intentional about promoting them to other institutions and organizations. And finally, the last pillar is that of being able to uh, document uh, their stories in a live form, in the form of a documentary. So these are the four pillars that we use to be able to expand the legacy of the clients that we work with. You know, so we work with select clients. You know, to be able to accomplish this, um, um, and and we accept those that uh, mirror those belief systems and our core values as well, so that we're able to really be impactful in what we're trying to accomplish. And so you can always. You know, we're, we're at, uh, you can reach us out, you can look for us at our website on www.indiata.com. Uh, um, and we're actually revamping that site. So just give us a little time and we'll be putting it back up again uh, because we're putting out something amazing, I believe, for our website. You can reach us at, uh, at Indiata uh, Inc., you know, on Instagram uh, as well as on uh, Facebook. So, but if you go to www.yam.com, you'll see all the different ways that you can reach us. Emilio, thank you so much. Um, one, you got a great radio voice. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
It is well, a you. blessing to know you, to hear more of your story. Like every time I learn something new, but I really love your heart. Um, and I think it's a very unique perspective that has made me think differently at times too, of just like the, the gift of creativity and imagination. That is a really precious gift. And I don't know any entrepreneur that has not used that gift effectively. They all have used that gift effectively, but you, you kind of crystallized it for me. So thank you, Ben. It's always good to have you. Thank you for being who you are. And uh, for the listeners out there, thank you for listening. If this means something to you, please tell others because we've just done this all word of mouth. We aren't monetizing it or anything like that, but the messages of these amazing entrepreneurs needs that they need to be heard to inspire somebody else yeah. so thank you yep thank, thank you, you. Jerry, I, I i appreciate this opportunity i'm truly grateful and uh ben thank you so much i just want to say you know i i i want to thank my you know my my family my wife and my daughter Kimyara and yada you know who, who, who just really uh you know without family you have nothing you know and so i'm grateful you know for them uh, for, you know, uh, allow me to pursue this dream and continue to do what we need to do to be able to make a difference in the world. And you guys, man, Gary, man, you know, you know how I feel about you, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> man. And uh, Ben, thank you. It's great getting to know you as well, Ben. And I, I really appreciate you. And I hope that I said something in all of this that, you know, will make a difference in somebody's lives. I pray that I that I did.